Author of the Week, featuring another great creator of narratives for the human race on Southside Broadcasting and Siren Radio. Teddy gets adopted. Teddy loves spaghetti. Teddy loses his ears. Oh, it's yes. heart-rounding in so many ways, but we're delighted to be able to welcome to the program now uh, the creator of the aforementioned Teddy Loses His Ears and more. Of course, it's the fabulous Christine Krauss. How are you, Christine? Good. Thank you so much for having me. Well, it's great to connect with your good self. And certainly these uh, uh, the series that you've actually produced uh, opens up a whole new range when it comes to something we care very much about as far as the midweek drive is concerned, which is uh, raising awareness for organizations that actually save animal lives. We've got a feature with Blue Cross uh, after this little piece, uh, the, the Veterinary Association in the, in the UK. Um, and it's really great that you've kind of put this in together. But let's let's talk about how you started uh, coming up with the whole concept of Teddy in the first place. <laughs> okay, well, we um, were fostering cats with the Heart and Soul Rescue Organization in Abbotsford. And um, we were doing different things, puppies, litters of kittens, and they would get adopted pretty quickly. And uh, I wasn't quite ready to foster another animal yet because I just got rid of a house full of pets. But uh, I saw on the fostering website that nobody was volunteering to foster Teddy. And I thought, oh gosh, maybe no one's volunteering to take him because he looks different. He like in his photo without any ears, he looked like a really angry cat. Um, and uh, if they don't get a volunteer to foster them, then they don't get transport out to BC. Someone has to commit to it first. And so I asked my kids, I'm like, look at this cat. Nobody wants him. Should we give him a chance? And they're like, it doesn't matter what he looks like. I think he's really cute. And uh, so we did. We, we volunteered to foster him. And he turned out to be the most amazing cat. And he fit in perfectly with our family. So a couple months later, we actually adopted him. Well, as uh, Jenna Green actually says, uh, uh, author of Reborn, uh, the uh, uh, wonderful world of adorable Teddy will gain your heart with his poignant tale of adventure and loss. Vivid illustrations bring this cute cat's tale to life. 11 stars out of 10 for this story of acceptance, kindness and resilience. Beatrix Potter, of course, was uh, a soul who was known for the way she uh, dealt with animals and, and created uh, wonderful tales for them. But was it always your intention, actually, to, to, to write something which which really got people thinking about, you know, there are certain key messages here that we may maybe forget in terms of our hyper busy, stressful lives. Yes. Uh, well, I mean, I never intended to write a children's book until we got Teddy and then Teddy was just an inspiration. And I felt that, well, how can I still help the rescue organization by raising money when I'm no longer fostering animals for them? So I still wanted to help them. And um you know, I just thought it was really preventable what Teddy had gone through. Um, so my daughter, she's eight years old, she loves to draw. And I so I thought, well, what if her and I co illustrate and write a book together? But uh, that didn't work out because she's eight years old, and she just wanted to write her own stories and her own drawings. Um, so but Teddy just continued to surprise us with all of these uh, different um, things that we we experienced with him so it just kind of uh, the idea he just inspired me and, and so did my kids reaction to a lot of things that was the inspiration yeah 
You're a full-time essential services worker. You're a mother of two primary school age children, as we mentioned, and uh, your children enjoy choosing books from the school library uh, as well. Now, this is something which also emerged during the pandemic, it would seem, uh, in terms of getting creative. So in many ways, would you say this was a COVID bonus, the chance to actually start putting this, this whole piece together? Oh, absolutely, because we probably wouldn't have started fostering animals if I wasn't trying to, like my kids were really bugging me for a pet, uh, something to keep them a little bit more excited at home. And yeah, I probably wouldn't have discovered this fostering website without, um, you know, wanting to foster animals. And yeah, so it kind of, it was a fun thing. I surprised them with a litter of kittens I brought at Christmas time. Um, I brought home a, a box and the kids opened the box and four cats jumped out and they were just over the moon excited and the cats were knocking ornaments out of the tree and just playing and it was just it made um, spending COVID away from fam like Christmas away from family during COVID just really that much more special and they'll, they'll remember it and if it wasn't for COVID um, none of this would have happened. Yeah, it's interesting that certainly one of the things we had in Britain over the uh, the period of the pandemic was the tendency to obviously uh, adopt a pet. Well, actually, not adopt a pet. Actually, get going and take a full time pet. People don't realise though this is a really serious uh, responsibility. It's not as though you just go on a whim and say, "Oh, I'll just have a a, a nice little doggy or cat." From that point of view, they do actually carry with them a whole range of responsibilities. So. Presumably, you'd also like to counsel that it is important that for the teddies of this world, they are actually, uh, it is acknowledged that this is quite a significant step and responsibility if you decide to adopt an animal. Absolutely. So each story that features Teddy will have uh, pet care ideas and um, kind of ingrained in children the responsibility uh, that it takes for pet ownership. Um also promoting the adopt versus shop mentality that a lot of people have, like why pay thousands of dollars for an animal when there's so many perfectly good animals that already need a home. Mm. Um, yeah. Um, were you a cat lover before Teddy actually arrived and, and before the other cats were there or were you more of a canine person or horses or, or was it just a case of all animals? All animals, but I've had cats my entire life uh, since I was a baby. Um, we had two cats when my children were born. Uh, both of them um, died of old age because they were 16 and 18 years old when the kids were quite young. So we weren't ready to commit to a pet because it is a huge commitment, especially when you have little little babies to look after. And uh, but the kids were always bugging me for an animal. We we had fish. Then they got bored of them. We had mice and then they got bored of them. Um, we got a puppy, uh, but again, it was a lot of work, a lot of work. So people really need to take into consideration that it's a huge responsibility. Um, and then we started fostering um, the kittens and eventually we settled on Teddy. Share with us about Teddy loving spaghetti. That intrigued me. <laughs> I mean, is, is it just a case of there's an Italian background there? I mean, is it spaghetti as opposed <laughs> to pasta? Is there other sort of elements within that? Well, it looks like uh, he actually likes macaroni and cheese too, but we only recently discovered that. So I think he has a pasta dairy. I, I guess that's not so strange uh, for, for cats. Um, I mean, the pasta part was strange to me. The dairy is not so strange, but um, yeah, it's so funny. He just, you know, he, 
he's so well behaved. He doesn't ever climb on counters or tabletops or anything like that. But when we have spaghetti night, I, the kids left their empty bowls on the table and ran upstairs to play and the cat jumped on the table, knocked it off the table and was just eating it like crazy. And now whenever we have spaghetti night around the table, the cat situates himself right between the kids and just pretends he's one of the family like he wants to get a bowl of spaghetti served to him as well. It's so funny. So cute. So, I mean, I can see, obviously, there's a whole series coming out with respect to, to this whole Teddy side of things. That, um, and, and we've obviously had this whole notion of Teddy gets adopted and, and, and the line for all that. Um, do you feel as though, actually, um, I mean, what, what, what does the future have in store for Teddy? Is, is it, or is that a case of, I don't know, he hasn't told me yet? Part of, the, part of that is, yes. So there is... Um... Teddy Loves Spaghetti is coming out second. And then, so all of these are true life uh, things that the, the cat has just presented to me with the children's reactions. And um, we before Teddy gets adopted, Teddy actually visits the vet. And while he visits the vet, um, the vet will uh, teach us certain things about the animal, like how to measure his age from his teeth. And uh, there was actually quite an amazing surprise and discovery at the vet that we had about Teddy, which I can't reveal because that's, you know, the big surprise in story three. Um, but every story will have, um, whether it's a geographical um, educational point or nutritional or just how to treat other people and accept other people and just be a good human through, through a cat, through the cat's life. Uh, as I say, to go back to Teddy loses his ears, apparently he lost his ears from frostbite. I mean, this is traumatic from that point of view. I mean, is there something, again, when you tend to think, how can, I mean, because presumably, as I say, the backstory of Teddy was he must have been abandoned or, or just lost his way. Uh, ever thought of actually doing a kind of additional imagination in terms of how he got to this stage in the first place? Yeah, I've tried to imagine that. So what happened is after I got Teddy, I wanted to put his story out there and Unfortunately, the rescue organizations don't have a lot of information on the cats when they get them. So uh, I did know that he came from Edmonton. So I contacted um, the rescue organization that works in conjunction to bring the cats here to BC. And they actually remembered Teddy and remembered who brought him in. So they put me in touch with her. She um, took care of Teddy while he was feral for a few months before he got shipped to British Columbia to visit me. And she put me in touch with the farmer who actually found Teddy in his barn. Um, so we're, I did kind of backtrack the story a little bit and I, I tell it as honestly as I could in the book um, from what I can put the pieces together. But a, a lot of people in central Canada, they just, they have so much property and they have barn animals and, and these cats just, they're basically there just to um, eat mice and keep rodents away. So they're not really family pets at all. Um, so they obviously don't spay or neuter their animals. And uh, that's how they have such a overpopulation yeah, sure. of animals that they want to ship out to us where the climate's a bit better. Cause it can, I think Teddy was found in negative 50 degree weather oh frozen pretty, pretty, pretty cold exactly i, I mean mm -hmm. i'm mindful of one of our regular correspondents from los angeles director phil leonis um uh together with uh, uh lily leonis his wife uh, adopted uh, or rather were adopted by a rescue cat called uh, fuzz aldrin uh who uh, again <laughs> and, and, and fuzz 
was was somebody who was found, I think, literally in a in a uh, uh, a waste disposal area that was, was around from that point of view. But uh, she's been oh. through a bit uh, over her, her, her life on the planet so far. But I think uh, certainly she's she's connected with it and that. And and the point being, do you feel as though actually? I mean, we, we like to feel as human beings that we make the choice. We actually decide to adopt the pet. Is it not a case of the cat or the animal or the pet decides to adopt us as well? Oh, this cat definitely chose me. Um, the When I picked him up from the rescue organization right off the truck, I opened the, the cage and the cat just attacked my face, licking me, licking me, licking me all over, snuggling. He was just so grateful. And then... Uh, he was completely comfortable on the ride home, jumped in the back seat. He was like, oh my goodness, kids. And he was just making best friends with the kids right away. And yeah, he fit right in. There was no other animals in my house at the time. So he gets the, the run of the house and he's very well behaved. Uh, scratched at my furniture a little bit, but that's cats for you. <laughs> but he definitely chose us. I, I feel uh, like it was destiny for us oh. to meet. Absolutely. And any companions for Teddy that you're you're looking to sort of build into the whole thing? Is there going to be a case of Teddy's team and, and, and future sort of adventures of a, a Teddy Justice League or Avengers, Avengers situation? Well, that's funny that you asked that because I got tagged in a post um, from a rescue organization in Edmonton where they have a cat that looks exactly like Teddy, who also lost his ears to frostbite. And his name was Archie. So I shared the post for any diehard Teddy fans out there. If they want to get his twin, um, then uh, Archie is available. So uh, a few people I know really wanted to adopt Archie. Uh, and I was thinking, oh, that'd be so cute. Archie loves Teddy, maybe <laughs> a story like that. But uh, so far, no, I think Teddy runs the show. Um, he's a one cat household. So I don't think we'll be getting any other pets while we have him. He gets quite stressed out and he's a bit of a bit of a bully in the neighborhood. Naughty <laughs> Teddy. Um, in, in terms of, of that, um, the naming of cats, as uh, T.S. Eliot once said, is a, is a, is a very important thing, the, the, the names that the cat have and, and, and so on. Uh, who came up with the idea of Teddy? So Teddy came to me with that name. So I imagine um, Vera Lynn, the lady who originally took uh, Teddy in as a feral cat, I believe she named him Teddy because his little ear nubs, he kind of actually looks like a bit of a teddy bear in person. And um, he is so snuggly. He is a lap cat. So it's, it's just like he sleeps with me every night. It's just like having a little teddy bear. So the name was perfect. And I didn't want to change it. That makes perfect sense. Not a, named after Teddy Prendergast, the soul singer, uh, or indeed <laughs> Teddy Sheringham, the Tottenham Hotspur footballer uh, and indeed Manchester United footballer. So, so there we go. Um, music, Christine. We often ask our authors, do they have any particular musical likes or, or preferences when they're writing or when they're just... I mean, does Teddy actually have any music that he likes to, to listen to that he pose to? I mean, I've, I've often found that cats quite like classical music. Well, that's interesting. I... Um... I usually don't have music playing at home only because my children sing 24 seven. Um, right now there's a, a Disney movie out called Encanto and they're just, they, they know all the words to every kind of Spanish song in that movie and they just sing it all day long. I don't get any peace and quiet. So, so how, think, does how does Teddy react to Lin-Manuel Miranda and, and his sort of incarnation of, of Encanto? What, what's the sort of feeling? Does he, does it, does he effectively um, uh, just, just bury his head somewhere and say, I, I can't sort of be coping with this effectively? Or does he actually sort of get on down? 
<laughs> he probably wishes in addition to losing his ears, he lost his hearing too. <laughs> we'll but throw he in hears some, well. <laughs> yeah, we'll, we'll throw in some Encanto now, just for the benefit of your daughters. And, and Teddy, this is sort of for your good self. coffees for grown-ups. My tia Peppa, her mood affects the weather. When she's unhappy, well, the temperature gets weird. My tia Bruno, we don't talk about Bruno. They say he saw the future, one day he disappeared. Oh, and that's why mom Julieta hears her deal. Whoa, the truth is she can heal you with a meal. Whoa, her recipes are remedies for real. If you're impressed, imagine how I feel, mom. Welcome to the family, Madrigal. The home of the family, Madrigal. Hey, coming through! I know it sounds a bit fantastical but magical, but I'm part of the family, Madrigal. You guys fell in love with family, Madrigal. And now they're part of the family, Madrigal. See so if the Felix married Peppa and my dad married Julieta. That's how Abuela became an Abuela, Madrigal. Let's go, let's go. We swear to always around us and earn the miracle that somehow found us the town keeps growing the world keeps turning but work and dedication will keep the miracle burning and each new generation must keep the miracle burning wait who's a sister who's a cousin there's so many people how do you keep them all straight okay 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 so many kids in our house so let's turn the sound up you know why i think it's time for a grandkid roundup Cousin Dolores can hear a pin drop. Camilo shapes shifts. Antonio gets his gift today. My older sisters, Isabel and Luisa, one strong, one graceful, perfect in every way. Rose a flower, the town goes wild. She's a perfect golden child. And Luisa's super strong, the beauty and the brawn do no wrong. That's life in the family, Madrigal. Abuela and the 
To, to, to Christine Krauss, the coordinator of, uh, and indeed writer and creator of, of Teddy, the author, uh, the, the narrator of Teddy's life story, and a whole series of, of, of aspects. Um, Christine, do you feel as though that you'll be looking to um, adopt multimedia approaches? I mean, will you be having a, a Teddy animated series? Will there be uh, Teddy films, Teddy t-shirts? I mean, I can see the opportunities here for, for Teddy across media platforms being huge. Oh, I, I do see the appeal of that. I mean, someone would have to uh, want to pick him up because, I mean, Garfield, look how look how popular Garfield is. Or I think of Clifford the Big Red Dog. He was popular when I was a child, and now all of a sudden he's a Netflix series. So maybe eventually one day someone will want to come up with a, a Teddy cartoon, uh, like Nature Cat or something. But uh, for now, it's funny you mention it, I created Teddy's first Christmas um, pajamas for my family at Christmas time this year and posted a picture of the family, the two kids, me and my husband and the cat. And uh, some people reached out to me and said, where can I buy those pajamas? Do you have a, a Teddy merchandise store? <laughs> uh, so I did actually make a coffee mug. Um, a, a few elementary schools have reached out to me because they want to do silent auctions to raise money to build playground equipment and uh they like the story of and messages of hope that teddy shares so they asked me to do some live readings for the children and i put together some baskets so i had a few teddy stuffy stuffed animals made up and i had a te teddy coffee mug made up saying uh uh i'm not listening or once i've had my coffee i'm all ears or <laughs> something kind of cute but uh no Nothing official, no official stores at this moment, just some side things I've done for fun. And as a full-time essential services worker, any any possible su suggestion that as the, the writing becomes more intrinsic that you might actually put the day job to one side and actually focus more on the creativity and the, 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 the being a translator for Teddy's events, of course? I... Um... It's very expensive to live in Vancouver, BC. As you know, it's also very expensive in the UK. Uh, so um, there's not- No, a lot fuel of costs are just mild these days. We're not worried about fuel costs at all. It's just <laughs> by the by. Fuel, housing, food. Oh my God, it's insane right now. Um, I cannot see myself giving up my day job because there's really no money in, in, in publishing books. <laughs> <laughs> not, not from my experience. There's, there's a love of the, the, the emotion from that point of view. Uh, and which it's, yeah, authors, it's more of a passion project. Uh, which authors, Christine, have kind of influenced yourself? I mean, I mentioned Beatrix Potter, obviously. That's obviously from the traditional days. I mean, Gerald Durrell, of course, wrote about his family and other animals. Uh, there are, are lots of sort of... Disney clearly has actually produced a whole range of things with respect to animals, etc. Are there any particular authors that you've been particularly uh, struck by in your own uh life story uh no not in particular like as far as children's books go i don't remember reading a lot of books as a child just uh like the disney golden books um 
I read a lot of Archie comics growing up, if I'm being honest. <laughs> Just good, wholesome um, teenage characters. But, uh, you know, I am part of a book club now that I'm an adult. So we we read a variety of novels, um, but uh, no one author in particular. So this is clearly a case of Teddy could go international because we're connecting uh, Vancouver, Canada once again with uh, uh, the United Kingdom and Lincoln, England, and indeed more with Siren Radio and, and, and beyond. Um, what would you suggest? Um, the, should people start at the very beginning of the Teddy Tales? Can they start midway through the whole system? Uh, where would you actually point? Um, perhaps people are sort of thinking, Do you know, I want to check that out. Should they go online? What's the, what's the advice you'd give somebody who's been taking their first steps to the world of Teddy? Well, so right now, Teddy Loses His Ears is book one. It's the introduction um, of Teddy into the series. Uh, book two is Teddy Loves Spaghetti. So everything that happened is in the order that it happened in our lives. Um, Teddy Loves Spaghetti will be released uh, September this year. So currently, they can only start with book one. Um, Teddy visits the vet it's written but that one's not quite finished illustrating yet so i'm hoping easter 2023 so i'm slowly releasing all the books trying to build a little bit of a following and uh, and teddy has one that's for sure he's he is definitely the celebrity cat in our neighborhood all the children walk by to pet him and see him guarding our front porch and uh they're just really excited that he's a real life cat and these are these are non-fiction stories yeah, I must admit the uh, line of Teddy goes to the uh, to the vet sounds it could be quite horrific, really, in terms of the, the line. I think presumably you'd have to be quite delicate in terms of why he's going to the vet and so on. I, I mean, I'm just sort of thinking, it, it, is, is it anything to do with, shall we say, his reproductive areas? Yes, it is. Absolutely. Have you caught me like mispronouncing my pronouns a little bit here and there? No, I'm, I, I, I'm just thinking that, you know, there, there could be an issue there, which could, Teddy could be quite upset is all I'm saying. That's all. But, you know, carry on. Yeah. So, I mean, it's, it's quite standard when you're fostering animals that uh, they want you to take the part of the responsibility is taking your pet for checkups and making sure that they're healthy, um, getting treatment, um, especially for Teddy to make sure his ears were cleaned because he doesn't have the, um, the ability to keep dirt out of them. Um, And yeah, I wanted to make sure that he was fixed. Uh, That's part of the issue, but Teddy mm, wasn't really happy at the vet. So <laughs> in order to calm cats down, they put like a mask over their yes, face yes. so they can't see. So it's, it's almost like the color of shame in terms of, of, of a canine scenario. It's the color of shame, really. Okay. <laughs> yeah, except it's like this silence of the lambs, like leather yeah. mask that gets puts over their head. But of course, it kept slipping off Teddy because he has no ears to tie it behind. So it just <laughs> kept falling off his face. So I'm not quite sure how to incorporate that into yeah. the story. <laughs> As I said, Christine, I could tell it was going to be a tough read. That's the one thing that's actually there. It needs to be sort of just, just, just eased through on that side of things there. Uh, and presumably Teddy's been microchipped. Uh, yes, but you, normally they would microchip cats in their ears, but because Teddy doesn't have ears, they had to put it between his shoulder blades. Just wanted to confirm that because I would have thought that was another sort of challenge because you obviously want to ensure that he, he is trackable from, from that perspective. Uh, oh, I don't been... want to lose him. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Um, I mean, I know some cat owners actually like to walk their cats as well. Does, does Teddy go on walks with yourself or do you, do you kind of, what, what, what's the, the scenario in terms of Teddy's exercise? Well, um, 
Teddy is quite happy uh, in the wintertime to stay indoors. Uh, so he doesn't go far away from the home. I mean, obviously being that he was an outdoor cat, he still has that desire to go outside. But usually he'll sniff the air and, uh, no, the weather's not great. I'm going to stay inside today. But in the summertime, yeah, he will uh, explore the neighborhood a little bit. The kids will be riding their bicycles and scooters up and down the street. Uh, but he's, he's very smart. If I call his name, he will come running from wherever he is. Again, absolutely awesome. And we certainly look forward to hearing many more adventures of Teddy as the, the whole thing proceeds from that point of view. Uh, Christine, finally, how can people, again, you can access folk. Which website would you actually say is the best place to go to find out more about Teddy and possibly yourself as well? Oh, well, I just released my, web I haven't, uh, I just created the website this week. Uh, so it's www.christinemilkovickkraus.com or you can type in Teddy Loses His Ears um, and it will direct you to my website. Uh, you can purchase books there through the links on the website. Um, they will link you to amazon.uk um, or Barnes and Noble, uh, Chapters, Indigo. I don't know if you have that there. Um, they're global yes. firms. We can connect with that. I know. We Jeff yeah. Bezos has even actually extended his uh, empire to uh, to the British Isles as well. It's astonishing. It's probably how he can afford to go up into space, really. But there we are. <laughs> no kidding. Christine uh, Milkovic Kraut. Uh, funny enough, I was going to say, was it Milkovic? Because obviously, in terms of the uh, original uh, pronunciation, I think it would be Milkovic. But it's uh, presumably in the Canadian, it's Milkovic. Christine Milkovic Kraut. Well, the story that I have grown to learn is that when my grandparents immigrated to Canada, they were forced to drop a letter off the name. So presumably it was Vich, uh, I-C-H, and then they make you strike a letter just to shorten the names. I don't know. Well, we're delighted that you're here now, and I'm sure Teddy is delighted as well. We've got two final questions that I need to put to you that are fairly okay. sort of standard. First of all, have you had a reasonably interesting Zoomer with us on the program today? Has it been okay for you? This has been amazing. I love your background there. That looks so good. Got to, got to, got to go with Teddy. You know, if you can't, if you got sort of, you got the creator of Teddy, you need to actually ensure that you get the right kind of image. I know it's radio, but it's radio with pictures sometimes as well. So plus, of course, for Facebook posts and of course, Twitter and the other social medias, you need to have sort of indication of what's being said. So there we are. Yes. I love it. Yeah. And you've been wonderful to talk to. I love your accent. Wow. <laughs> Well, it, it's, it's kind of developed over the years. That's the important thing. So the next critical question, Christine, is will you be kind enough to return? Will you keep us updated with more tales of Teddy? Uh, will you come back on the show sometime? Absolutely. I'd be more than happy to visit with you again and chat more about Teddy as the books be released. Thank you so much for having me. An absolute delight. And of course, to Teddy. Meow. <laughs> I'll pass along the message. <laughs> I like a cheat you cheat your only like they make it home or a healthy fish with the big backbone. I'm Abraham DeLacy. Giuseppe Casey. Thomas O'Malley. O'Malley the alley cat. I've got that wanderlust. Gotta walk the scene. Gotta kick up highway dust. Feel the grass that's green Gotta strut them city streets Showing off my clat Yeah Telling my friends of the social elite 
or some cute cat I happen to meet that I'm Abraham DeLacy, Giuseppe Casey, Thomas O'Malley, O'Malley the Alley Cat. I'm king of the highway, prince of the boulevard, duke of the avant-garde. World is my backyard, so if you're going my way, that's the road you want to see. Calcutta to Rome, or home sweet home in Paris, Montefiki, you all. I only got myself and this big old world. I sip that cup of life with my fingers curled. I don't worry what road to take. I don't have to think of that. Whatever I take is the road I make. It's the road of life. Make no mistake for me. Yeah, Abraham DeLacy, Giuseppe Casey, Thomas O'Malley. O'Malley, the alley cat. That's right, and I'm very proud of that. Yeah. So, you've got a doggy. Fine, great. Um, you want to take it out for walks? Good, that's okay. But would you let it off its lead? Mm-hmm. Problem. Especially if you're actually in the countryside and you're dealing with lambs. The lambing season is very much with us, but there are issues with respect to dog owners and their canine friends. And to actually address this and begin to hopefully give us some tips and really rationals and rationales in terms of why this is such an important thing, we've got the head of behavior, no less, at the fabulous Blue Cross organization. That's Ryan Neal. How are you, Ryan? I'm very well. Thank you. It's great to connect with your good self. Now, I was really staggered to see that last year we had an increase in the number of reported dog attacks on livestock. Uh, one Monmouthshire farmer actually reported a loss of 50, 50 ewes and their unborn lambs in January 2021. That's completely unacceptable. I mean, you know, is it just a case that people are forgetting uh, that actually dogs will, will do their own thing and they should be kept on leads? Yes, I think we've always had this problem year on year. I, I think that those statistics are particularly shocking because in lockdown, I think we were all trying to to um, uh, find sort of respite and we, and we went out into the countryside with our dogs that probably hadn't been in, in that sort of environment before. So there was a huge increase in, in, in that, that those sort of incidents uh, as a likely result of that. But it does really bring home the fact that our pets are more than just pets, they are predators. And springtime is a time of year, not only when there is lambing going on, but it's a time of year where um, our wildlife is also giving birth to and raising their young. So the places that we take our dogs is just transformed into environments that's that's really, really exciting and provoking for, for, for dogs that are predatory animals. So uh, a heightened need for us, to uh, uh, be aware of the, the laws and our responsibilities as, as dog owners and, and the terrible consequences um, that, that, that can impact on animals as a result of uh, uh, the dogs that we have. 
One of my colleagues actually just pointed out that uh, sometimes even around people as well, you need to keep dogs on leads. It is important that, as I say, when you take your canine companion out for a walk, which is very important, clearly, but you do acknowledge, as you rightly said there, Ryan, that uh, these are innately predators. And even though they might be calm and completely obedient at home or even on urban walks, uh, if they're in an environment they're not, that they're not used to, uh, suddenly challenges can take place. Yes, and, and when we look at the, our, our dog population, they're, they're, they're comprised of very small dogs to huge dogs, and they all have very different sort of genetic predispositions. But it's common for all dogs to want to investigate and to chase small furry things. So some will do that um, uh, as a means of having fun, and some will do that to, to follow through and go a lot further and chase and hurt and potentially kill animals. Um, but even when our dogs are playing, the impact on animals can be extremely stressful. And so just having a dog in the presence um, of, of sheep can be enough for, for pregnant use to abort through the stress that they're placed under. So I think we all need to sort of be aware uh, uh, at, at this particular time of year, our dogs are going to find those environments particularly exciting. And we shouldn't be putting them in, in those situations. We should be aware Think about where you're going for a walk. If you've never been there before, err on the side of caution, keep them on lead. And, and also be aware that a recall is a potentially life-saving thing that you can teach and train your dog to do. If your dog is prone to chasing hares and that hare is running towards a, a, a motorway or a busy road, then not only is your dog at risk, but also the lives of other people that might be uh, out traveling on, on, on roads. So it's a big thing, it's a big deal. And that's why um, Blue Cross is really passionate about sharing this message today. Being on the lead is not the end of the world. Uh, we can share um, our countryside, we can share that the woodlands and the places that we walk our dogs, keep our dogs under control if our recalls aren't reliable. If they aren't, then there, uh, there's a great organization, which is called the um, ABTC, which is the Animal Behavior Training Council. If you contact them, they will put you in contact with a local trainer in your area that's accredited, that's qualified, that's going to use positive reward-based training techniques. So I would urge anybody that's in any doubt or that's struggling to any degree to reach out for help. You don't need to have a massive problem in order to contact the trainer. You can just uh, contact and be put on the right path by the right expert. The key takeaway presumably would be wear a lead or have a lead for your dog. I mean, 42% of owners apparently think the dog should be on a lead, but only a quarter uh, actually do so. I mean, that leaves, uh, you know, three quarters are, are, are sort of acknowledging this, but a quarter haven't realized that. And hopefully that is the message which we're trying to put out from, from that point of view. Presumably you mentioned hares, of course, li literally squirrels, rabbits, deer, other sort of areas, they can all be stressed out if they see you know, anything from a chihuahua to a bulldog effectively suddenly charging at them. Yes, yes. And, and a lot of these animals have evolved really well to escape predators. But we should be asking ourselves, is it fair that uh, for a moment's fun for our for our dog friends, is it really acceptable that that uh, the consequence of that fun is 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 that these animals are giving a, a frightening experience, um, or, or 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 even uh, attacked and killed as a result? And and we at Blue Cross think that uh, that's something which shouldn't happen. Um, and there are better ways, more constructive ways for dogs to have fun, um, and that should involve the owner. So you know, you go out with your dog wherever you go. Um, you should be a really important part of your dog's life. And regardless of the distractions that are around, 
you should be the person that they turn to to have fun with. So, so rather than chasing um, um, animals, uh, they should be engaging with fun uh, um, games with you. And there's plenty of advice that you can get on that subject at the Blue Cross website. If, if anybody listening was curious and wanted to come and check out what we do and what we say and what we advise. You've obviously got a Dutch herder kit. Uh, how has uh, his development or her development been over the last few years? Um, again, post-lockdown and, and so on. Uh, presumably uh, kept on a lead, but actually having fun as well. Yeah, well, she's she's a dog that, that I got. She was a stray dog. She uh, uh, genetically predisposed to be quite predatory. And I'm a, I'm a dog person. I'm a dog training fanatic, but my training only gets me so far. So in, in, the, in certain situations, she will chase animals. So she can't chase animals because she's on a lead in situations where I can't see around the corner or if I take her to places I've never been before. Um, and that's my responsibility. And, and there's no shame in me admitting that I own a dog, despite being a dog trainer, that I can't allow off the lead. But she has a very fulfilling life under those controls. And it's a message that I want to put out there to everybody that if you've got to have a dog on the lead, it's not the end of the world. You can still have loads of fun. It's an amazing day. Today, I was out in the sunshine. It was an, it was an early sunrise. Um, she wasn't off the lead. We both had great fun. Um, and, and I think that everybody that's in a similar situation shouldn't worry about keeping their dogs under control. And just finally, uh, from the point of view, Ryan, of uh, if there are no signs of livestock everywhere and you think, oh, it's completely empty fields, etc., presumably you should still actually have your dog on a lead. Yes, because th there are some situations where busy farmers might forget to take those signs down. Um, so err on the side of caution. It's our responsibility to, to make sure that we put our pets in the situations in which they aren't a nuisance or a risk to other people, other animals, and that includes livestock and wild animals. Mm -hmm. And we really want to preserve the privilege of owning pets and having them as free as they are in the UK. So every single one of us has to be aware of the, 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 the risks that are involved, the tendencies that our dogs have under these certain circumstances to take control, but to enjoy them and allow them to have fun too. Ryan Neal, uh, Head of Behaviour at Blue Cross. Huge thanks. Just a reminder, Ryan, where can people go to uh, to actually find out some of your top tips in terms of how uh, dogs on leads can actually also have fun as well and will have fun? Yes, at Blue Cross website. So it's, it's uh, uh, bluecross.org.uk. We are bursting with fantastic advice for all sorts of pet owners. Uh, but this hot topic is, is, is uh, we've got lots of information for us to share. Ryan Neal, as we mentioned, happy trails. Thank you very much. Snacking in a secret. Is it a major issue? Is it a problem? Well, apparently, in terms of places uh, British folk like to snack in secrets, the top five include the shed, in the bath, on the stairs, in the car, in bed. Think of the crumbs. Think of the challenges with respect to that, especially with respect to a recent survey uh, from, of course, uh, what is arguably one of the key snacks of all snacks, the pepperami scenario. OK, so how do we actually deal with this particular aspect? Well, I think the only person we can call on to actually make some sense of it is indeed behaviorist extraordinaire and celebrity psychologist that's the wonderful joe hemmings how are you joe oh, i'm good thank you alex I'm good. Oh, yeah. always kind introduction well it's always good to feature your good self joe inevitably we know it's going to be uh, at least five or six minutes of true wonderment so let's <laughs> let's analyze this particular thing here um i mean pepper army obviously have come up with this survey and there is a, a special competition we'll talk about uh, a little bit later about uh, this whole thing were you surprised at all in terms of the nation's snacking habits or is it just a case of we just like to do things secretly 
and was I surprised? Some of the places surprised me a little bit. I mean, people are really going to some um, degree to make sure they get a bit of peace and quiet when they're snacking. Um, and I do think there is a bit of guilt about snacking, although it depends on the snack. If it's, I mean, the pepperoni chicken bites um, are clearly a reasonably healthy snack, and there are some healthy snacks out there. Also, some you know a very big a spectrum of snacks of which there's some deeply unhealthy ones that are just comforting and enjoyable um, at the other end. So I think those are the ones people are more likely to go and hide to eat because they feel that they probably shouldn't be eating them. Mm-hmm. And therefore, if no one sees them, it doesn't really count. So I know we're in the season of Lent, but I mean, is this just a case of guilt being carried too far that people are actually saying, oh, we're worried about this? And as you said, unhealthy snacks can be even more uh, problematic for your good self. Or is it a case of we're just afraid of what other people will judge us about in terms of what he's actually going for another version of that? Yeah, I think it's more the latter. I think people looking at you eating, thinking, um, you know, who ate all the pies basically who ate all the pies who ate all the pies but I do think you know people are often rushed these days so they probably skip breakfast quite a lot of the time but I think people have snacks then instead of breakfast or they just need an energy boost in the middle of the day there's that sort of slump isn't there three or four o'clock you think there's still an hour or so there's a couple of hours work to do and a snack without a doubt will give you an energy boost of any sort. Um, so I think there are some snacks and sometimes the day we might feel guilty about it. Um, but others clearly where these people are hiding, as you say, you know, in the shed, um, on the loo, uh, in the lift, gosh, I've got a few floors to go through, you know, Wendy house in the garden. That one to me was suggest you don't want the children to see you snacking because you've told them they shouldn't be doing it. And so therefore you have to go and hide um, somewhere. They're probably very likely to find you, but at least mm. you feel that um, it is somewhere secret. But I think it's always been a bit of guilt about snacking because in theory, we are supposed to have three square meals a day um, and not eat between meals. That's how a lot of older people certainly grew up thinking that, that was the way we should behave. And do you think that secret snacking has actually become uh, more popular because of this whole notion of snack shaming? I mean, I wasn't aware that snack shaming was an actual thing, but presumably with social <laughs> media, you'll get images of saying, who's eating this, when and where? Yeah, you do. I think it's because snacks used to be a treat, really. And now they're very, you know, they're very good value for money. They're very portable. They're very easily bought, opened, stored. Um, so we brought them in we've embraced them into our everyday lives it's not just something you'd have um you know for, for a special treat so i think it's easy for people to get carried away with eating snacks so therefore people do snack shame them but it's more about the kind of thing they're eating but not everybody wants a really healthy snack i mean sometimes you don't eat it for hunger you eat it for comfort um and and the joy of it and you just it's it's easier to be less mindful about it if you go to a secret hiding place and eat it than if you're eating it in front of other people. I mean, of course, the, uh, the classic line of treats being simply an acronym for terrible results, eating all that sugar is something that makes you, <laughs> needs to be borne in mind if people actually feel as though, oh, just have that extra chocolate bar or, or whatever. Um, what about yourself, Joe? Has there ever been a time where in betwixt all the many and varied radio and media features that you actually do, you've thought, I just need to actually have a quick snack and have you ever secretly snack to yourself? 
Oh, yeah. I mean, well, I say secretly snacked. Not, I sort of tend to, I've got a thing at the moment about um, chocolate cream eggs, so I'll eat those at night in bed. There's no crumbs, but it's just something nice. It's a sort of treat at the end of the day, because I actually have quite busy days. And I sometimes don't have time to even snack, let alone have a meal. Yeah. So I look forward to that at the end of the day. Okay, well, obviously, uh, the, the notion of actually mixing a cream egg with a pepperoni would be just a no-go situation for so many people. Although I can hear somebody out there thinking, what a delightful treat that would be, food fusion. You know, <laughs> oh, yeah, people yeah. like to combine their strange snacks. And they're going to be getting stranger. I mean, they're going to be, you know, evolving in different ways, flavours and sweet and savoury together that we perhaps wouldn't expect. I mean, I agree, pepperoni and chocolate eggs. Probably yeah. Well, well, uh, and likewise, a smoking chicken bite wouldn't actually go down well, I don't think, with respect to a, a cream egg, even though arguably you're dealing with a kind of egg based. No, no, I'm just not going to go there. It's, it's just wrong. I just feel it's wrong, Joe. But how can people actually uh, take part in a competition to actually win a month's supply of delicious pepperoni snacks? What's the way forward? Uh, there's a competition on their Instagram page, which is pepperoni TV. Um, so if you send a picture in, uh, I'll DM the page for the picture of the weirdest place you've eaten a snack, uh, you stand a pretty good chance, as you say, of uh, winning a month's worth of pepperoni snacks. Yeah, I wouldn't really, really like to be on the judging panel for that, because uh, given the uh, the great British public and the propensity for eccentricity, uh, I do think that uh, taking images of the weirdest place you've eaten a pepperoni snack could be sort of problematic. But then again, it's it's just another whole world in all sorts of ways. It's just another whole world. Perhaps we need a bit of an eccentric distraction like that at the moment. Yeah, yeah. Although, re I mean, shall we actually suggest, dear Mr. Putin, would you actually sort of like to... No, no, let's, let's not go there no, no, again. No, step, <laughs> step away from... That yeah. <laughs> so how can people find out further details about the survey, Joe? Uh, and obviously you mentioned you can go to at Pepperami uh, TV to uh, enter the uh, uh, the actual competition. Um, is there a website that you'd like to promote as well? Um, there's pepperami.tv, uh, uh, which will tell you more about the survey and a little some words I've written about what I think the future of snacking will look like. Um, I mean, so, will it just be intravenous? Will just actually effectively just you know, no, the food directly into us? Do you remember they said years ago when the moon landings will all be eating like tablets of food, yeah. be having food, but that never happened, of course. <laughs> But then again, pepperami has always been a bit of an animal. I couldn't resist it. It's an, it's an old it's an old phrase from an old sort of campaign, but it, it still sort of resonates to a certain extent. You sound like uh, a bit of a fan, Alex. To be fair. <laughs> Yeah, I, mean, I have been known to have the occasional pepperami, but I don't think in secret, actually. I, I, I feel as though, you know, pepperami should be proudly sort I of I agree, because I don't, think I don't think you should feel particularly guilty about it. But there are yeah. others I can see, like my chocolate egg, probably would eat in private. Joe, jo, I mean, I think the you, you have the right, because you put so much goodness in the world, to actually uh, treat yourself to chocolate eggs if you so wish. So, I mean, that's that's uh, consider a free pass. That's, that's undoubtedly <laughs> Uh, Joe Hemmings, behaviourist and celebrity psychologist. Extraordinary, as we've said. Huge thanks. Keep on keeping on and uh, enjoy those snacks. Thank you, Alex. And you. You've got to learn how to cry. Before you learn how to fall
You've got to turn from the darkness and go through it all. Just remember that it's alright. It's alright to be true. And the sun will shine on you. You got to try to remember the promises you made. You got to hold on to yourself and never be afraid. Foolish notions try to get you. No matter what you do, but the sun. Sun. Mm-hmm.